Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to take this moment to say thank you for listening to the Real Rescue Podcast. It means a lot to me that you enjoy these stories as much as I do. Since the start of this podcast, we've had a lot of support from all over the world. It has been amazing. Now, we have companies joining our team that also want to say thank you for all that you are doing out there standing the watch. These companies are offering discounts on their products as a way to support the rescue community and those tuning into the Real Rescue Podcast. Just go to therealrescue.com, click on Sponsors, and see these incredible offers for yourself. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Axness, because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, Clear communication is of the utmost importance. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And Airwave, the Airwave Performance Mouthpiece, helping you to use breathing to your advantage. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG Wireless ICS System can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere, at any time, on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise-canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With a certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering another 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment, all you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast and they'll take care of the rest. And Airwave. What if I told you that you could train harder for longer 
and recover faster just by wearing a mouthpiece. I know, I questioned it too. Then I gave it a try. The Airwave Performance Mouthpiece is a breakthrough in performance technology that is scientifically proven with over 15 years of peer-reviewed published research at the Citadel to open your airway by 25% for improved breathing, resulting in a 20% decrease in respiratory rate, an increase in muscular endurance, and 50% reduction in cortisol levels post-workout. Now, what does this mean to me? Well, now I'm able to train harder, recover faster, and be even more prepared for when that SAR alarm goes off. You don't need to take my word for it. Try it yourself and see how you can use your breathing to your advantage. Go to airwave.com or visit them on Instagram at airwave to learn more about it. Then, when you're ready to give it a try, because you heard about it here at The Real Rescue, you get 10% off with the promotion code Real Rescue, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Coming up next, we've got a United States Coast Guard aviation maintenance technician. He's coming to us with three stories from San Francisco, California, while he was stationed there. So please welcome our next guest, Mr. Jordan Gottfried. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue. Uh, today, I've got a guy, a brother of ours from the United States Coast Guard. He's a flight mechanic out of San Francisco right now. And the cases we're going to talk about today, we've got three of them. but. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Jordan Gottfried. What's up, brother? Hello. How you doing? Dude, I'm fantastic, man. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on and getting ready Definitely. to share a couple of stories. So I like how for we sure. got connected. We were actually just talking about this. It was like a guy of a guy that we, but I don't yeah. even know, but you know. And I was like, oh, yeah. hey. Yeah. Weird how that happens. <laughs> totally. A lot of people in the Coast Guard, but it's small. It's small. Yeah, still smaller small than world. the entire uh, New York police department yeah 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 i think we're still smaller than them yeah yeah crazy it is crazy yeah pretty wild <laughs> pretty wild definitely oh uh, funny well man i like i said i thank you so much for for joining me i'm looking forward to hearing some of these stories um i've got a, an loc uh combination from from one of your rescues and then we've got two of the cases that, that i have in front of me so we get to read a little piece of them and then we get the full backstory so i'm pretty excited about it but before Definitely. we get into that man i gotta get a little background so tell everybody a little bit of who you are where you're from how and why you came into the coast guard and what brought you to be a flight mechanic cool so uh yep my name is jordan gottfried i'm from uh, fort wayne indiana nowhere near the ocean or the coast guard uh, there's a small boat station up in Michigan city, Indiana, I believe. So shout out, shout out a little small boat station up there. Um, but yeah, I, I was, uh, yeah. in uh, in high school, there was, there's a buddy of mine. Um, we were going to do like the buddy program where you go in. Um, I think that you go to boot camp together and then I think they send you to your first unit together. Um, and he was going to go, he wanted to be a rescue swimmer. He was a swimmer all his life. He wanted to be a rescue swimmer. Um, and uh, he ended up going a different direction because there was, we went and talked to a recruiter. It was kind of like a long wait. 
Um, so he went a different direction and I was like, I'm going to stick it out. I'm not going to college. That's for sure. So I'm going to just keep working at Subway for another year. So flip some sandwiches for another year. Uh, join the Coast Guard. Yep. Off to Cape May. Um, got stationed in Baltimore, Maryland as an E3. Well, E2 actually graduated as a, as a, uh, a seaman apprentice. Um, so went to Baltimore, Maryland to the Coast Guard yard up there. Um, just worked on, um, kind of helped out the small boat stations and the eight navigation units with their maintenance and stuff like that. Was out there for three years. Um, met some of my best friends, uh, still to this day. Um, went to, it was a three-year wait for aviation, uh, mechanic school. So was, wow. it was a non-rate for three years. Went to Elizabeth wow. city, North Carolina, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, oh, yeah was was in i, I wasn't can, in the you know donut, what i can i can luckily. officially say yeah yeah so back in my day we had the donut yeah yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> which we is had the donut. all we it was have no wi-fi <laughs> <laughs> the donut for us yeah. at the time when i was there was just it was the barracks but the barracks is a big circle yeah. building yeah and you had like yeah we called it the donut and it's no longer there yeah it's so funny people people's donut stories are hilarious they're like oh well, you weren't in the donut i'm like i know i had it easy yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, so did, uh, did six months in North Carolina aviation maintenance technician school there. Um, and then got orders to, um, Hitron Jacksonville, um, was down at Hitron for four years, did, uh, five shipboard kilo deployments. Um, some of the best times in Jacksonville and some of the worst times were, were underway. Underway sucks being away from family, limited internet, but being able to just like be let loose in a foreign country and they're like be back in three days it's i mean it's a crazy amount of freedom you know as a young like lower 20s year old you know they're just like yep come back in three days don't miss movement you're like all right cool um, sir, yes, you know, you sir. Get a hotel in town where <laughs> yeah go get a hotel wherever you're at and just explore for a few days try not to get in trouble yeah, um, well, this is not this podcast, so we don't don't. I don't want to get you in trouble. Yeah. Right now, all right? Come on, yeah, Jordan. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I was a good guy. There I, I was. Never did anything wrong. Yeah, there I, I was. Yeah, I, listen, I know how these stories go. Bullshit, yeah. man. I'm not. No, I'm not going down that road. I'm coming down this way. Yeah, That's right. yeah. yeah. Um, you were representative of the Coast Guard the entire time, huh? Yep, out there recruiting people left and right. Um. So, yeah, so it was there for four years. Um, then out of Hitron, got priority. So I got my number one pick, San Francisco, California out here. Um, beautiful California, amazing flying. Um, nothing like flying up to Lake Tahoe for, for lunch one day. Um, it's crazy. Um, flying up through Yosemite, flying around Half Dome, flying eye level with waterfalls. It's crazy. California is beautiful. Um, you, you know, so like, uh, for... just for the record, so everybody knows, like Lake Tahoe is on the border of California and Nevada. The coast yep. is in the opposite direction. I, I just want to make sure <laughs> yeah. we're all on the yeah. same page. Yeah. You're yeah. flying yeah. in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were totally supposed to be there. Yeah. Of course. Well, sometimes you just got to get lunch somewhere. Yeah. There's right. a small boat station at Lake Tahoe. We were just going to say yes, hi to our brothers and sisters. Yes, there is. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you might exactly. have to do we were do, we were some, doing some joint stops. training up there. Exactly. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Joint training. That, that uh, was a discussion over lunch, correct? 
Yes. Yes. Exactly. Uh, that's why you need to remain over lunch. The ROL. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Oh my god, um, I love it, dude. You know, there's certain yeah, things so I, I miss about being in the Coast Guard. That's yeah. one of them. Just oh, yeah, we definitely. gotta go to this place. We gotta, you know, be oh, there for, for sure. the day or the weekend. And you're like, yeah, really? we're gonna. There's some stuff we have to do up in Yosemite. We have to take a. We have to take some pictures up in Yosemite for some assessments. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's pretty awesome. Okay. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I've been out here for just shy of four years. Um, and I just got orders recently to Air Station Barber's Point in Honolulu, Hawaii. Well, okay. I'm probably going to get roasted um, by my Hawaiian friends. I guess it's not technically in Honolulu. It's on the island of Oahu. Not in Honolulu, though. Um, but Hawaii nonetheless. So excited about that. That's um, awesome. We weird how it works. It wasn't my top pick or any of my top four picks. Um, it was my fifth pick. And at first I was super bummed because I wanted to go to Detroit, be close to family. Um, and it's like it's the best, it's the best case scenario of like, oh man, I got my fifth pick. Normally guys are like pissed, and I'm like, I'm going to Hawaii as my fifth pick. I'm like, is this right? <laughs> There like, are a couple people right real, now so, listening to um, this and they're like, that mother boop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're flipping <laughs> off the kit. They just closed their laptop. Yeah, no, like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm yeah. done with this. Freaking, yeah. I put, I put Hawaii the every time. Number one, never got it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how, I mean, that's how it works out, man. I, I know some people, uh, Jesse Torres, the guy that hooked us up, I know he's been trying to get out there. He's from there. So that, that, was, that was a hard phone call I had to make because he's one of my best friends and I had to, I was like, I have to let him know before somebody else tells him like, oh, did you hear Jordan got barbers? So I called him up and he's just the best dude you'll ever meet inside or outside of the Coast Guard. Uh, so he was genuinely happy for me. And I'm like, Jesse, like, stop it. You can be pissed off. He's like, no, man, I'm so happy for you, bro. That's awesome. I'm like, all right, well, I better see you out there in a couple of years. So hopefully I do. Hoping he gets a, gets a top pick out of, he's up in Atlantic City right now. So hoping he can uh, come join me out and uh, be back with his family in Hawaii. That'd be awesome. It's killer. But um, Heck, you might even see me out there. I'm just saying. I, I, I mean, it looks I got like you're all I got another map, guy. So. Yeah. I, Hawaii. Yeah. It's still on my yeah. list. I got to get out to Hawaii. Yeah. Once, but, once your podcast starts to go down and mine takes over, then you can just oh, hop on oh. my podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Competition's about to get started. Is that all right? Yeah. Game on, yeah, exactly. dude. Game yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. Fric friction creates fire, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Noted. Um, yeah, yeah I'm done with this. Um, and we're out of here, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm just kidding. I'm and kidding. cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, um, man. But yeah, so the flight mech thing. So being in, in Jacksonville, we don't do any search and rescue in Jacksonville. It's strictly the primary mission is a counter drug down in the Caribbean and the Eastern Pacific. So you don't um, become flight met qualified in Jacksonville. So I was just a basic air crewman, um, just sat in the back and tried not to fall asleep for two hours while we just flew around Western Jacksonville, um, for, for night on end. Um, but got out the San Fran, um, got flight met qualified there, um, with the help of some great instructors. Uh, I'm not going to shout them out. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I got flight met qualified. Took forever. I mean, it's search and rescue is a crapshoot. It's luck of the draw. Um, so it took me a while. And then um, finally got 
finally got a case. Um, and I, I got uh, another one shortly after that and then kind of took a long break and then got one recently. Um, but that'll probably do it for my time here. Uh, I don't stand a whole lot of flight mech. Once I got conned into be, uh, becoming a watch captain, it's more of like more watch captain duties and I just get to see everybody else go get the, go get the lives saved doing flight uh, mech. But not, when I get to Hawaii, I'm not, I'm not telling them that I've ever stood watch captain. I'm like, I, I don't know if I can do that. I'll just do, I'll just do flight mech stuff. Right. You know, so, everybody's going to know there as soon as they listen to this, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh crap. I forgot. Son of a, I this can, can we delete time. that? Let's delete that. Yeah, delete, yeah. delete, delete, delete. Yeah, yeah. Remember you said you can edit stuff. I, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this is like live recording yeah 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 this is youtube live right we're on TikTok. Yeah, right <laughs> yeah yeah that's oh, awesome man. well man I, I hope you get an opportunity to, to fly out in hawaii as well and, and yeah like, oh for sure in some cases because i you know i've heard some good stuff about what goes on on there in the islands and heck i mean just Definitely. in san fran and the stuff that you have just these three cases we're going to go over i'm i'm super psyched as a matter of fact let's get right into it do you mind okay no, definitely. Right. Let's go ahead. So it, the first one is your very first rescue with uh, as a flight mech. And I'm, I'm yes. pretty stoked to get into this because um, it is it, what I have here is I have a case report. All right. So yeah. this one right here is um, this is the guy that's stuck on the rock and, or rocks, plural. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of yeah. cool because I've got a breakdown of like, on the minute, every minute of the entire case. And it's pretty cool for this write-up, but uh, air station response resources requested at uh, 0302 Zulu time. And I, I can't remember exactly how far off you are from Zulu I think time. seven hours. I'm probably wrong. I think seven hours. So it was probably, yeah, I mean, it was probably three, four. It was probably 8 p.m., 8 or 9 p.m., I think is probably about right. Okay, we'll go with that. It was dark out. It was definitely dark out. So it was definitely after sunset. Gotcha. So it says here, uh, the initial notification received a report of a male stranded on rocks at Greyhound Rock. Uh, yeah. In distress phase conducted in accordance with the GAR score, you know, no concerns. Uh, re uh, received a report of a male possibly stranded on the rocks. Confirmed male possibly stranded on the rocks wearing black sweater, black short, and a black backpack. Of course he is. Why wouldn't he do that at eight o'clock at night? Highly visible. Second? Yeah, totally. Why don't we throw a little reflective yeah. on there too? That's even better. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. Highly visible. Totally. So you guys launched out. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Like, what was the what was the alarm? What what came over the uh, the SAR alarm? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was pretty vague. It was. Um... I don't remember if it was, uh, you know, obviously the, the alarm goes off now put the ready helo on the line. There's been a report. Uh, I think it was just there. There's been a report of a person stuck on Greyhound rock. Oh. You know, I mean, we don't, we don't know our AOR that damn well, you know, <laughs> like, Oh, Greyhound rock. Like that's right over here. So, you know, our pilots are immediately, you know, on their iPads looking up where this is. Okay. It's around in this area, but we're not sure, you know, there's like a, I, if I remember right, there wasn't a Greyhound rock like on their charts. There was like a Greyhound park. So we were like, okay, it's got to be off of that. It's close to the coast. Um, that was, This was on the ocean side. Obviously, I'm out here in San Francisco, there's the Bay Area. We get a lot of cases in the Bay. This one in particular was in the ocean. Um, so we start flying down that way. Uh, we're actually 
phasing out um, the FLIR systems on our helicopters right now. Um, but at the time, uh, luckily I had some good training um, on the FLIR. So I had that thing fired up, um, trying to find this guy. It's dark outside. The reporting source was still in contact with Sector. They weren't exactly sure where the guy was, but they knew he was out in this general area. Um, so we go down. It's funny. I, I, I must have deleted it off of my phone, but I had it at one point. I had the FLIR footage from the whole case and I had it set to, it's in, uh, it's in IR mode and I had it set to white hot. So anything that's like, you know, putting off any kind of heat is going to be white. Everything else is pretty much going to be black, especially the water is very cold here. So it's very dark on the screen, you know, so I'm, I'm looking in here, I'm looking on the screen, looking for any white heat signatures. Um, this guy ended up, he was, he was in a tent. So he was, he had hiked out, I guess at low tide maybe but still had to wade through some water. And then as the tide rose, he's like, I'm in trouble now. So he was, I, I want to say a few hundred yards offshore. So he had definitely like, he definitely had to have trekked through some water. There's no way the tide got that low. But wow. now at this point, he's, he's up on the middle of this rock in a tent, wind blowing, beating up against a tent, dark colored tent. It was like a blue tent. Um, and he's inside this tent. So when we fly, we actually fly over him once and at the time when i'm watching the flare i i don't see him none none of us see him the pilots i believe one was on mvgs one was on the naked eye swimmers in the back looking uh on mvgs i believe and i'm looking on flare we don't see him but when i look back on the flare footage i'm like oh my gosh there he was we went right over him you could see just a little white dot on this rock and i'm like oh there he was we flew right over i had him on flare i just missed it <laughs> so we went by Sector calls us. They're like, hey, the reporting, like two minutes later, Sector's like, hey, the reporting source said you just flew over the general area. So we're like, okay, shoot. So we button hook it around. We're coming back down the coast uh, or back up the coast and we're looking. And I think at the same time, our left seat pilot, um, I can't remember who was left seat. I believe left seat was uh, Lieutenant Meyer. Um, right seat was Lieutenant Schroeder. Um, and Mr. Meyer, it could have had those backwards, but Nevertheless, um, left seat at the same time as I see that 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 heat signature on the FLIR was like, what is that on that rock? Like at the same time. And I'm like, I'm like, that's gotta be it. That's that's him. You could kind of see him kind of rustling around by the tent. So we get down, get in the hover, kind of assess the situation. He's on a pretty um a pretty big size rock. I would say it was maybe just looking back at the FLIR footage, maybe like 40 feet wide by 60 feet long, something like that. But waves are crap. The tide's rising. The waves are crashing up on this rock. Um, so like we decide we're going to put the swimmer got a down. Tent set up on the rock. Yeah, he thought he was just going to camp overnight. Oh my! And then God, I, dude, I, I think it. he didn't realize that this was potentially a rock that at some point was going to be underwater, and didn't realize how much the tide would change in that area. So he's just wow. out camping. And then I think the tide started to come up. He made a phone call. His phone ended up being dead. So he made a phone call before his phone died. Um, and was like, hey, this isn't looking good. Um, and and I'm, I'm assuming because the reporting source didn't have like an exact spot that his phone had died. So they're like, okay, well, he told us he was in this area. So we, we know he's right out in there, but it's dark out. They can't, they can't shine a flashlight out like a quarter mile offshore, you know, or however far it was, maybe a, a couple hundred yards. So we get down in a hover, uh, our swimmer, Connor Branson, shout out Connor Branson. Um, we put him on the hook, um, get him down there. 
um, had the, the searchlight out towards the rock, which ended up being not a great thing. It was great Real for quick, my visual. Sorry. Did, um, do you put the swimmer in the water or on the rock? No, on the rock, directly to the rock. Oh, yeah, nice. we did a direct okay. deployment to the rock. Cool. Yeah, which was sketchy because like you could see, which is where the, the searchlight came in to be kind of a hindrance, especially to the pilot, um, because we didn't realize how much the waves were crashing up on it. So the rock's wet. So that reflection of the searchlight is just just bloomed the pilot out. So I had to move the searchlight out of the way, um, kind wow. of move the direction. You know, I never even um, actually thought, thought about help, that. But... That that's a good point. Like, and what you're referring yeah. to there is when you when a searchlight is put on wet, slippery rocks like that, it will yeah. reflect back into the night vision goggles oh, yeah. and blind, definitely like, just white out the goggles. Now you can't see. Oh them. yeah, definitely. Damn, I yeah, didn't even I don't think remember... of that. I don't remember the right seat pilot's exact verbiage, but it was something like, uh, you know, like you're going to have to move that searchlight. Like I just got bloomed out. Like he's, he's basically getting blinded by this light. Whereas me yeah. back there, I'm not on NVGs. I'm on naked eye. I'm like, what are you talking about? It looks like daylight out here. This thing's so bright. Um, but he's just getting <laughs> exactly. Blinded. That's why you're blinded out. The searchlight out of the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, we put Connor down to the rock. He comes off the hook and um, you could tell that it was definitely slippery and he doesn't know this terrain. This is, new terrain for him um but he's kind of like the rock wasn't completely flat like he kind of like had to half scale this rock this wet rock gets up to the tent we kind of back off a little bit give him some room and uh apparently this guy was bringing the tent with him so we're waiting while this guy's like repack like boy scout style packing his tent all back up you know he had like his bed mat in there packed up the sleeping bag all this good stuff so he gets all that stuff we come back in put the basket down. Connor gets the guy with all of his camping gear in the basket, um, bring him up, get the swimmer back on board. Um, we start flying away. We're looking for a spot to put the guy. And if I remember correctly, the weather ended up getting really bad as far as um, like fog in the area. The Bay Area gets crazy foggy and it'll, it'll sneak up out of nowhere. You'll be flying, you know, flying along all dumb and happy. And then there's just, you know, you get, you get, all of a sudden you're double IMC and inadvertent uh, intermediological conditions. I probably just fumbled that, but where you just, you can't see anything. So we, we were, yeah. we were close oh, to losing our, our sight. So we basically had to turn away and we were trying to find a spot. And I, I remember like me and the left seat, were kind of looking where we could put them. And we found this church parking lot, like a, like a mile inland um, because there was a bunch of firefighters. So I forgot to mention, there was a bunch of firefighters and stuff like, right up on shore like waiting for this guy um and we were going to take him there but that's kind of like where all the clouds and stuff like where all the fog was so we couldn't take him to that spot so we had to go find a different spot we land in this church parking lot um which is funny it's just you know it's just a random parking lot luckily good thing about a helicopter you can put it anywhere it's so not, we land hey, in a parking a lot lucky, hey god had a hand in now he's like hey i got exactly, i got your spot exactly. right here come on over come Come to me. Come to me. I have a perfect place for you, my son. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. You thought so, it was an accident. Uh, Absolutely not, dude. Yeah. The man no, upstairs, like, no, I got divine, you, boys. Divine interaction. Yeah. Um, so then we we get a hold of the fire department. They come. I think the guy thought he was maybe like in trouble because you could tell when like the swimmer was like getting him out. He's kind of like looking at us, like, Am I safer with you guys? Is this like the cops over here? And the swimmer's like talking to him, like, no, dude, come on, like we're gonna we're taking you to safety now. They're gonna they're going to take you home or whatever. Um, so swimmer walked him out to the ambulance and stuff or firefighters, whoever was there, um, took him away. And then we popped up out of the parking lot 
um, and then headed back home. And that was that was pretty much the case. Dude, how so that was my first one. Were you fun. on adrenaline after yeah. that? That was that. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, um, yeah, the <laughs> adrenaline. At this point, I mean, especially since it was my first case, I don't know if it was. I don't think it was the first time I got launched. I think I got launched a few times, you know, on uncorrelated maydays or possible persons in the water that turned out to yeah. be nothing. Um, but still, every time that alarm goes off, you know, especially when you're like, you know, like a newer flight mech, like I was, you're still like, this is the one, this is the one. And it was the one. And, you know, now being launched on so many different things, you're always kind of like, all right, let's, let's jog out to the helicopter. Let's see what this one is, you know? So when it does <laughs> end up being something for real, you're like, okay, here we go. So it's, it's a cool feeling when you, cause I mean, I don't know how many times you, you get on scene and you're like, there's nothing out here. So it's, it's a really cool feeling when you get out to, you know, the last known location and you're like, oh my God, there's a guy there. And you're like, and then you like have to switch gears. You're like, all right, let's do it. Let's get into our rescue checks. Let's, let's get everything ready. The swimmers already ready. Usually the swimmers are like, yep, let's go, you know, ready to go. <laughs> Love um, it. That's kind of how, that's kind of how my second case was. The swimmer was like at the door ready to go before I even turned around. I'm like, oh, he's ready. <laughs> So, but yeah, that, that was the first case. That was, that was fun. That was a fun one for sure. That's awesome, man. Well done to you and your entire crew. Yeah. Love it. Definitely. Yeah. I love this stuff. It's stupid how much I love yeah. this stuff. All right. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. you brought up the second one. So I'm going to bring up the second one yeah. too. And okay. here I have uh, two things. So you, you sent me a, um, the write-up, which is mm -hmm. actually the case report to it. Um, which I think is great, but as a bonus, you got the LOC for it, a letter of accommodation. So what I'd like to do I is I'd actually, I want to read the letter of accommodation for you. Uh, and, and then you can give us uh, the backstory from there. Is that cool? For sure. Definitely. Go okay. ahead. Here we go. From Commandant to AMT to Jordan D. Gottfried, USCG, letter of accommodation. I note with pride and am pleased to commend you on your performance of duty while serving as flight mechanic aboard Coast Guard Rescue Helicopter 6531 on 30 September 2022. At 2136 local time, you and your crew launched under nighttime visual meteorological conditions in response to a report of a vessel taking on water in San Pablo Bay, just north of Richmond, California. Rescue helicopter arrived on scene to find four people and two dogs aboard the vessel, aground in very shallow water. A Good Samaritan tugboat, Coast Guard Station Vallejo small boat, and the California Highway Patrol, CHP, helicopter were also on scene attempting to reach the vessel. Due to the shallow water and night conditions, the boats could not get close enough to the vessel and the CHP helicopter could not conduct the hoist leaving the Coast Guard helicopter as the only asset to rescue the survivors. Demonstrating superb resolve and devotion to duty, you deployed the rescue swimmer to the survivors who were in good condition, but dressed in short-sleeved clothing and unprepared to survive overnight and the cool temperatures. As a result, you readied the cabin for hoisting and recovered two females and one dog. Without exceeding the aircraft's growth weight limitations, you could recover no more survivors and departed to nearby San Rafael Airport to transfer the first group to land. You then returned to rescue the remaining survivors 
expeditiously recovering the remaining survivors, dog and rescue swimmer, and safely delivered them to the awaiting medical personnel at San Rafael Airport. As a result of your actions and dedication to mission success, you saved the lives of four people and two dogs. You are commended for your outstanding performance of duty. By your meritorious service, you have upheld the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Jordan, holy shitballs, that's freaking awesome, man. Well, not awesome yeah, for them. That one was a cool That's one. pretty awesome for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome now for them. Awesome now for them. Not at the time. Yeah. Wow. All right. So you get launched out. Four people on a boat, two dogs. They're what? They're in yeah. the marsh area, or, or just in? Would they run yeah, around? Yeah. So I'm glad you did reread that because I, I mean, I haven't reread that since I was given the award, and I forgot a couple of details like the CHP and the tugboat. They they came in crucial. Um. So, yeah, up in that area, there's areas of the San Pablo Bay up there as it gets kind of closer to land. It's it's not like marshy area. Uh, it's more like, uh, just uh, honestly, just gets really shallow and low tide. So you're, you, they basically ran aground is what happened. They were, got it. I believe when we got to them, um, very mucky mud, very soft mud. The swimmer was the back of the cabin was destroyed. It looked like we went off road in the helicopter. Um, <laughs> awesome. so yeah, so, um, we, I guess I'll just start from the beginning. Yeah. So we get the call, um, four people, two dogs. It was pretty accurate call from what I remember. Four people, two dogs, same kind of time of night, I believe around like eight or 9 PM. If I remember correctly, um, we get out there, um, and we're looking around for them and station Vallejo. Um, they have, I believe, uh, they had a 29 foot response boat. Um, and they ended up getting, I don't, I don't want to call them out and say they ran aground, but I believe they, they got to where they couldn't get any closer um yeah. they're you know they can only go in so shallow of water so they were only so close and i believe we were talking to them for a little while and they were like hey we're this far away they were pretty close but maybe i think i want to say like a half mile away um oh, it, but they're like that's that's a far away for for, like, for somebody to like swim yeah yeah for, for us a half mile is like there and there you know like Three, if we're going full two, speed but... one hold yeah exactly yeah <laughs> i'm exactly. exaggerating with that yeah, exactly. everybody i'm exaggerating with that yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's not far <laughs> off <laughs> yeah yeah um so they're like hey but there's a tugboat that's shining their their like their spotlight it was like kind of one of the it looked like it was like maybe like a construction tender like a civilian construction tender so they had like big deck lights and they're like hey they're shining a spotlight out towards that vessel and then one better the chp had a helicopter out there i'm glad they didn't take it because they've definitely taken cases from us out here um shout out it's CHP, all about but, yeah and wait a minute it's all about the survivors okay and the people that we're going yeah. to get it doesn't matter who exactly gets first except exactly. that's an entire lie because we all want to get there first <laughs> yeah. let's go yeah I'm, I'm like hang on a second jason hang on uh <laughs> yeah so we get out there and the pilots have like a TCAS alert, which is like our system that tells us if there's any other aircraft in the area. And they're like, oh, there's an aircraft over here. And we're like, oh, that's CHP. And you look over and it's like, we look over and it's like, oh, like the beam of God coming down. They have like their spotlight shining down. And we were probably two miles away at the time. And this just huge beam of light. And so we're able to contact them. And they're like, yep, we're right overhead. We can't hoist. We're like, good, get out of the way. Um, no, so they <laughs> they remained right over scene. They basically just hovered there 
Uh, I think they even asked us, like, do you want us to stay here and keep the spotlight on? And we're like, no. Again, like my first case, they're like, no, it's probably going to blind the pilot. So you get out of here and we'll use our lights. Um, So they stayed close, you know, just in case. Um, But they basically navigated us in there. Um, We go to do a couple laps. You know, me and the swimmer in the back are antsy, obviously, ready to go. Because we know, like, confirmed, there's four people and two dogs down there. Now, saving people kicked ass, but... I heard that I had the potential to save two dogs and I was like, now that's something different. That's awesome. I want to save some dogs. I want to put some puppies in the back of the helicopter. Oh, that's awesome. So, so right now my wife is all yeah. jumping about that. She's like, Oh, the dogs, save the dogs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we, um, we get up and obviously, you know, there's safety checks that we have to do. We, we can't just fly up on scene, drop the swimmer in the water. You know, you, you want to do a couple passes, make sure there's no obstacles in the area. Um, the pilots have to make sure their power margins are right, making sure that we have the right wind direction and everything. So, you know, we did a couple like kind of laps around and meanwhile, like I said, me and the swimmer are antsy in the back and he's ready to go. I look back, he's got his gunner belt on and he's got the doors already open and he's like sitting in the doorway ready. He's like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the pilots did their job, slowed us down. Um, Bro, I, I've been we, in. I've been on both sides, man. I literally yeah, been on both yeah. sides. I'm like, Let's go. Yeah. And on the other side, I'm like, hey, yeah. take your time, relax. Yeah. Like I said, it's a different feeling when you know you're getting launched. It's like, especially, I mean, for the most part, the swimmer, at least in San Fran, there's less swimmers than there are flight mechs. So the swimmers are on duty a lot more than us. So they go out every other duty night on on some BS case. So when you're sitting in the back as a swimmer, you're like, okay, whatever. But when you're when it's like oh, there's, there's people right there. You're like, okay, now it's time to go. So we're itching. Um, we get all of our safety checks done. Um, we're ready. Um, we're kind of talking about what, what should we do? And the, this, the rescue swimmer, Colton Campbell, um, he's like, look, put me down there. I got a radio. I'll assess what's going on. I'll holler back at you guys. We're like, cool. Sounds good. No sense in trying to figure it out perfect. from up here. Yeah. Perfect. We got it. We have, we have a rescue swimmer. Let's put him down. That's what he's there for. Yeah. So, um, I put, I put him down maybe, I want to say maybe 50 to a hundred yards away, which I know looking back, he probably wishes I put him a lot closer. Cause I, we go to put him down. We weren't sure how deep the water was. Maybe he was going to swim. Um, uh, maybe he was just going to be able to walk there, put him down. I want to say the water like maybe came up to almost his waist. Uh, or maybe his, between his knees and his waist, but the mud was a different thing. So as we back off, we're watching him just like, <laughs> like slurping through this mud, trying to get over <laughs> these people. So it took him a minute to get to him because he's like almost in quicksand trying to get to these people. So he gets out there. They got like a little jumbo. This is nighttime. You know, this is like between 8 and 10 p.m., I believe. And they've been out there since like the morning. So um, oh, they're probably man. sunburnt from the day. They got swimsuits on like nothing else. Like I'm pretty sure the one guy just had a bathing suit on no shirt. The other guy at least had like a shirt, like a short sleeve shirt. The girls just had bathing suits on. So they were freezing. I mean, it's, I can't, does it say what time of year that was? I can't remember. Was that in September? Uh, did you say, you know what? Let me go back to it right now. Cause it's, uh, I, I think September. Yes. 30 September, 2002. Yep. Okay. So, so it's cold <laughs> at nighttime, especially when you're in that water. So these people are probably, you know, I don't know how close they were to being hypothermic, but that, which is another reason, you know, the swimmer's like, hey, put me down. No sense in us talking up here. Put me down. Let me get down there. Make sure they're not hypothermic in need of any emergency medical attention right away. So we put them down. 
he gets out there, he calls back. He's like, um, you know, that there is confirmed there's four people. We got two dogs down here. We're like, okay, um, we can probably take weight wise, you know, the award reads um, due to our weight restrictions. It's just a little, just a little plastic helicopter. We can only carry so much. <laughs> so the pilots, uh, the pilots got us um, an airport that was close by. So we picked up, we told them, you know, just send us two people and a dog, send us half. So they, the first dog was like, the first dog was like ready to be saved. Like it was like, he'd done it before he or she had done it before. So the, like one of the girls oh just kind of picked him up. So it was the two girls and one of the dogs. Um, I don't remember how many hoists it was. If it was like a girl and a dog, I, it definitely wasn't both girls and the dog all in the basket at the same time. So I think it was a girl and a dog. And then a girl picked them up, left the rescue swimmer on scene um, with the two guys and the other dog, awesome. take the girls to the airport. Yeah. Take the girls to the airport, um, drop them off. Uh, ambulance or fire department is waiting for them. So they get taken away um, and then go back. Um, the second dog did not want to go in the helicopter. So if it's anything like my dog, like loud noises, no thanks. So the one guy, you could tell the first guy wasn't the dog's owner. So the first guy was like trying to like tug the dog and it was like trying to tame this beast in like knee high mud and the dog was like nope and like guy like let's go of the leash dog like swims back to the boat gets back in the boat with the guy so the rescue swimmer's like look you go we'll get this so the first guy comes up get him in the back get a blanket on him send the basket back down the second guy the dog was at least coming with him the guy gets in and he's trying to get the dog in and he's he doesn't know that we can't just be on scene for hours like we gotta go we're you know we're getting lower yeah. on fuel we're not low on fuel but we're getting lower on fuel let's get it going here so he's like trying to get the dog in here and the rescue swimmer colton's like dude just like picks up the dog and puts him in the guy's lap and he's like hold on um yeah so Colton sends him up yeah the whole way up you can see this dog is like freaking out and i'm like oh man i hope this dog doesn't bite me so get him up um, as I get him all the way up and I start to boom him in and the dog's already trying to get out of the basket into the helicopter. So I have to like put a hand on the dog to keep him in the basket because there's a gap still between the basket and the helicopter. I'm like, I don't want this right up on the award, you know, yeah, right. could have saved two dogs, only got one. So keep the dog in the basket, get them in, get the dog out. The one dog's freaking out. So I'm like, like yell at the guy, you have to hold on to this dog. He can't be like jumping up front on the pilot's lap. So he's like bear hugging this dog. We get everybody up under blankets, um, send the hook back down or go to turn around. We're like, okay, let's pick up the rescue swimmer. Um, this was a really cool part. I'll shout out Colton Campbell here. A little smart thinking. So they got their boat here. Apparently he, you know, he kind of made it sound like they were, they were really upset about leaving their boat. Who wouldn't be? So he was down fumbling around in the boat and we're like, what is he doing? Like, let's go. He's fumbling around and he's like, we're like, oh, maybe he's like throwing the anchor out. So he did throw an anchor out, but then he's like messing with it. We can't see what he's doing. He's got like his back to us and he's like tying stuff up. And then he like throws something in the water and then he comes up. Well, they had like, I don't know if this is exactly what it, but I think it was like an empty gas tank. He ties to a line and ties to the boat because he knows that it's super shallow right there or it's super low tide right now, but the next day it's not going to be. 
So he ties this like one of those like red, I think it was one of those like red gas cans, like a five gallon gas can to a rope, ties it to the boat, boat's anchored. So it's not going to go anywhere. Throws it in the water, grabs the hook, comes up. We take the other two guys to the airport, uh, not our airport where we're at, but San Rafael, drop them off. They go to the, with the fire department, get home and commence scrubbing the helicopter down. <laughs> it's just so muddy. Um, next day, I don't even know if we knew the night of what Colton had done, but the next day he shows me a video because he had gotten like the guy's number um, in case. I think he was like, you know, hey, like give me your number and I can send you like the location of where we were. You can go back and get your boat. The guys send him a video of them out like searching they're like all right this is the area we think it's around here and it's it looks completely different now because it's you know 12 16 hours later and the tide's risen all the way up there's no mud anymore you can't see any mud the land is way further away now it looks like because the water has risen up and they're cruising along and you just see this floating little red gas can and they're like oh my god there's our boat so they pull on this line and one of the guys like jumps out gets their boat it's obviously fully sunken they get a line tied to it and then they sent like another video and they just start towing. So they just start going in the, in the, in the second boat. And eventually their boat like starts to come up out of the water and they ended up pulling it all the way in. And I think they sent them a picture or a video of them like at the pier with their boat pulled out of the water on a trailer and they're like thumbs up with the boat. So no four way, people, dude. two dogs and a John boat. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh man. Like, super that's smart awesome. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was pretty cool yeah that well, was that was a fun one like i said the people it's awesome to save people in a boat but the dogs that was that was the highlight two dogs <laughs> that was cool for me bro that's awesome man what that's wow wow man that's super smart on colton's spot like definitely man, spot on um yeah a couple like random questions first one you said you put him down about 50 yards away from the vessel how how I, big was the I, vessel? I believe so like john boat you're talking like 15, yeah, I mean, feet? it was like a. I want. I want to say it was like a twelve to sixteen foot boat. Not very big, uh, like just something big. that four people could sit. In. It's not like a big center console yeah. or like a you know something with like a cuddy cabin. It's just like I'm pretty sure it was like a steel boat, like something that uh, like four people shouldn't have been on, but they can fit, especially now with two <laughs> dogs as well. But you so know, there was who knows no how way you were hoisted to the boat. That's that's my first question. No, no, it was yeah. it was it was definitely like the boat was already not moving. It was it was like half stuck in mud already. So they were just okay. kind of sitting on the boat when we got there, not moving. Um, but there's definitely still the water was like up to the boat level. But okay. yeah, like I said, Colton had to trek through like knee high water, mud, sludge. Sick. But yeah. Um, all right. So now when you were hoisting everybody out, so obviously Colton's taking them out of the vessel and like walking or kind of wading through the yeah, so mire he, like yeah walking away from the vessel yeah it, uh it was about i would say it was about 20 to 30 yards away oh, wow. um because where i think just kind of the area where the boat was was just kind of not a great area to get somebody up into a basket i think it was maybe more muddier in that area or, or more water whatever the situation was um plus kind of doing it kind of walking them a bit away kept everybody else out of the rotor wash while we were getting down low and getting those Smart. people. Um, so yeah, that was, that was how we facilitated that. Nice. Yeah. That's super smart as well. Right on. And the, yeah. I guess part of the reason I'm asking that is because I mean, they're in shorts and t-shirts and or no t-shirts, yeah. bathing suits. And now yeah. they're getting into that water, which 
it's, it's like 50 degrees and that water is freezing. Oh, yeah. It's cold. Yeah. Yeah. The water temp, yeah. the water temp yeah. was definitely in the fifties. Yeah. Man. So they were, I mean, they were already pretty sure the swimmer said like they were already soaked, you know, from trying to keep their water afloat, you know, they're probably like bailing water out and, you know, it's windy out there. Uh, it's nighttime in September. So it's, it's, I mean, it's windy all the time in the Bay area. So it's, it's probably windy and they're just getting like waves crashing on them. The, what little bit of water there still was. Um, so they were definitely already wet. And I, yeah. I'm, I don't know how long they were out there. It, it had been all day. They were out there that afternoon. So they'd probably been stuck where they were for four, six, eight hours, maybe um, <laughs> until they could get in contact with somebody. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty wild. Well, you know yeah. what? Well done again to you and your crew. Colton, nice job with the, with the gas can. Yeah, it's freaking definitely smart. Definitely. And, and the uh, bolt got saved. Yeah, Mic drop. definitely. <laughs> uh believe uh lieutenant commander schwartz and lieutenant hathcock i believe were the pilots on that one i believe i might have that wrong but i'm pretty sure those are the pilots on that one that's freaking badass man i'm psyched yeah yeah totally popped yeah <laughs> yeah it. definitely all right I'm, I'm gonna move on to number three now because number three so i've Perfect. got this case study <clears throat> as well and this one was okay. kind of interesting because this like literally just happened to you um yeah, which is cool. Here? I think when we first, yeah, when you first reach out to me, I remember my buddy Jesse's like, "Oh, you should go on this guy's podcast," and I'm like, "I only have, I have two cases to talk about." Like, I had just listened to your podcast about the rescue swimmer that saved a fighter pilot that went down in the water, and I'm like, "What do I have? Like a couple of dogs?" <laughs> and then, yeah, like a week later, I got that third case, and I'm like, "Okay, I got three cases at least. At least, it's, yeah. at least it's multi. It's a few. I can say I have a few cases." It's all so, good, man. See, good the greatest thing about this yeah. is like, I, I'm not looking for the like, oh my God, this is the baddest case of ever. I like them yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. And everything yeah. has this little like learning point. You're like, oh man, this is, this was pretty cool. And the stuff Definitely. that doesn't come up with awards and doesn't have write-ups, doesn't make news articles. Those are the ones that yeah. turn out to be like some of the most fun. So, but yeah, definitely. This, so this is pretty cool, man. So um, I'll just read a bit of the case report here. But at 18.20 local time on 21 February, 2023. So literally like a month and a half ago, not even. Yeah. Like yeah. From the recording of this podcast. Sorry. I emphasize that. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, you said, you said this was coming out Christmas 23. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> that's funny though oh uh, yeah so yeah so local time uh 1820 21 february 2023 sector san francisco received a report of an unreported paddle border in the vicinity of san pablo bay now I, i'm gonna emphasize the <laughs> yeah exact right but unreported yeah. paddle border so that means that the dude that was on the paddle board had not reported like that he was exactly. missing or something this was the first report that comes out after the initial exactly. report, uh, the in-distress emergency phase was issued and Air Station San Fran was launched. The initial reporting source, a friend of the paddleboarder, uh, contacted Station v VJ. Is that Station Vallejo? Vallejo, yep. Okay, so they contacted Station Vallejo to report her friend missing after he intended to paddle uh intended to paddleboard from black point in petaluma river to san pablo bay to valencia is that right or 
Yeah, it, it was a good distance, like across yeah. the San Pablo Bay. It was a good distance to stand Got up it. paddleboard. <laughs> Benincia Marina in Benincia, California. Is that I, pronounced I right? I believe. I'm not, yeah, I'm not even super familiar with the area, to be honest. Right. So you, I'm going to go with that. As good as mine. The reporting source yeah, noted like that. that the last message she received from him was uh, at 1656 local time. The message stated that he could somewhat see the Carquins Bridge, and forgive me on my pronunciation that, and sent a photo of where what he was looking at. At 1850 local time, San Francisco received a notification from Vallejo that they had received the location of the Palo border in the Carquinez Strait and were launching to the to that location with an ETA of five minutes. Uh, San Francisco diverted a ready helicopter to that location. The paddleboard in distress made the call to the commander command center to give an updated location, but comms are broken due to high winds and rough conditions on the water. All right, so you're the helicopter that gets diverted. Yes. All right. You got a paddleboard. All right. Tell my miss. Yeah. So we're but up. then has a phone call so, to somebody say, ah, yeah. I'm here. <laughs> you breaking up. I can't hear you. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So it's, okay. I mean, it's, a, as you know, it's always, it's always a game of telephone. The reporting source is calling sector. Uh, sometimes sector is talking to a boat that's on scene and they're talking to us. Sometimes sector is talking to us and we're talking to the boat. So it's a game of telephone sometimes. So we were, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for everybody, but uh, I think we were a little confused at what was as to what was going on exactly, um, how long this guy had been out. We know he had attempted to paddle boat paddleboard across this San Pablo Bay uh, unsuccessfully, apparently. Um, and yeah, had a friend that was like, "Hey, he was supposed to check in at dinner time. Haven't heard from him, basically." So we get out there um, in the area. And there's a small boat um, that's out there. And they were like, hey, they're right by us, but pretty identical to the second case that I had. Same station as well, Station Vallejo. They're like, we can't get any closer. We think they're up in that area, but we can't get any closer. So kind of where the shoreline was, then there was the guy on this little strip of land. Um, that was just kind of like low tide kind of, um, but he couldn't, he didn't feel comfortable making the swim like to, or treading out to land, whatever the, the case may be. Um, and then the boat was a little bit further out. So we found the boat, we flew around for a little bit, kind of had like some miscommunication as to where exactly we were supposed to be in relation to the bridge. Um, maybe it was just the pronunciation of the bridge that threw us off. <laughs> so we, we get, uh, so it wasn't just find me. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. It was all of us. It was all of us. So somebody, somebody is watching from that area and they're screaming. They're like, that's not how you say it. Um, Call me. So, yeah. <laughs> so we find the boat, uh, the coast guard boat. So we're like, okay, so now we know we're close. Um, and we knew they said the guy, um, was wearing orange, orange, red, something like that. So I'm like, okay, we got the door open, uh, swimmer, rescue swimmer, Mike Romano is looking out the window. I'm just basically like sitting in the doorway, kind of looking out. And, um, it's almost, I always feel like it's, it's almost like a game. Like, like we know the person's like in this area, it's like, who can find him? So we're, we're looking for him and we fly like around this little area. And if you want to like, if the swimmer or the flight mech were to see something, or I guess one of the pilots were to see something, kind of the code word is mark, mark, mark. And they'll, and 
wh whichever pilot gets to it first will mark that position and it'll it'll set that GPS location in our little onboard computer um, so we can go back to that location. Because sometimes we're flying and we're like, hey, I saw something there, but if you don't mark the location, my little light here just died. If you don't mark the location, um, you might not be able to find that spot again. So mark, mark, mark. Um, they're like, okay. And I'm like, yeah, I got this guy. I see something orange down there in the mud. So we, we circle back around and I'm like, all right, let's see it. Let's see it. And I, and we get up close and it's, it's muddy, uh, low tide and we get up and it's a freaking, like one of those parking, like one of those construction barrels that we got uh... like an orange reflection off of. And I'm like, it's not it. It's not a guy. Not that's, a, that's a, uh, that's a construction cone. Um, almost at the same time our our exos in the left seat and he's like i think there's a guy up at our 10 o'clock flashing a flashlight at us and we're like that's probably him so so we go over there i'm like dang it i'm an idiot that was a traffic cone so we move <laughs> over that left side um from there oh it was God. pretty pretty simple pretty standard it, um as far as like what we train for um pretty easy from that point out we, we get up there and he's kind of like on a little strip of land and, you know, we have like an open discussion. What do we think is the best course of action here? Swimmer's like, put me down. Looks like I can stand there. Put me down. I'll ask the guy if he's doing all right, if he needs any emergency medical attention. Um, and then I'll let you know what device to send back down and we'll bring him up. So we back off. Um, swimmer's sick, talking to him for a little bit. Guy's got a, he's got an oar in his hand. Like doesn't have a paddle board, but he's got an oar. So I'm like, oh. that's weird that he didn't ditch the oar um that that'll come in later that was that was kind of a funny part so we got the guy with an oar he does have orange on but he's not built like a traffic cone our swimmer's <laughs> down there he signals he signals for the to send the hoist basket down so i get in the back get the basket ready um send the basket down gets the guy in there uh leaves the oar with the swimmer um I, i'm gonna tell this part of the story and and i hope mike romano listens to this because he's gonna be like i can't believe you said that so we we leave the oar with the swimmer. We bring the guy up. Um, I get him in the back. What I failed to do, uh, which this could be like a lesson learned, something I would do better next time. Obviously we knew this guy was in the water. It's very cold out. This was in February, very cold. Um, he didn't have a wetsuit on. So he was like in, if I remember like, right, like fishing gear almost. Like, I think he probably took off when it was sunny out and was like, oh, I'm just going for a little cruise. And then the sun went down wind starts picking up, waves are blowing, gets toppled off of his paddleboard, that goes flying away, but he's got his oar still. So I'm like, and the swimmer even told me, he's like, hey, remember before you like send the basket, or like when you move the basket out of the way, grab a wool blanket out of the back, which we stow in the back behind the basket. He's like, grab a blanket. Yeah. I'm like, yep, I'm gonna grab a blanket. Well, as I'm bringing the guy up in the basket, I'm like, I didn't grab a blanket yet. So I bring the guy in, I got him in the basket. Well, now, it's it's a small helicopter on the inside where I've put the basket. The basket is in between me and where the blankets are. I'm not going to send this guy to the back to go get a blanket. So I wanted to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get the guy out of the basket. Now I have a guy and a basket, nowhere to put the basket and I can't get around. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep him in the basket. Let me unhook him from the hook. Um, stow the hoist hook up into the boom. Let me move him over. And I'm going to go in the back now kind of as a safety precaution, you don't just want to leave the basket unattended with an open cabin door. So I I'm sure Mike Romano was confused as to what's going on, but I, I let the, the pilots go. I'm like, Hey, 
I need to close the hatch and close the door so this guy doesn't become a missile hazard and fly out of slide out of the helicopter so I can get in the back and get a wool blanket because this guy's shivering. He was very, very like close to I don't I don't know hypothermia, but he was either hypothermic or very close to hypothermic. Um yeah. so they're like, okay, so swimmer's probably looking down there like, all right, I'm next. And then all of a sudden the door closes and he's like, maybe I'm not next. <laughs> so close the hatch, close the door. I get back in the back um, and our gunner's belt is only so long. And it's one of those things where like, whenever, you know, like drop your phone or something and it's just at the edge of your finger or you drop something in the crack in your car. Yeah. That's like how the blanket was. I'm like, Oh, it's right there. And I finally like get the corner of it, pull it out, rip it out, get the guy covered up. Um, stow the basket away the guy's all he's like got it completely pulled over him he was so cold you could tell um open the door back up get back into hoisting the sweat or the the pilots are commenting they're like they're like man they're like too bad your head's down in the back you got to get a load of mike so i end up when i do get my eyes forward mike is down there with this oar like like it's a staff and he's like whipping this thing around just doing his own thing just vibing down there uh, Mike's awesome. I, I love Mike Romano. I, I love that guy. He's awesome. So he's just down there, just killing time, working on his bow staff skills. Oh my so god! So we end up sending the hook down. It. He comes up, and I think we're all like, me and the pilots are coming. We're like, why? Like, why does this guy want the oar? Because he clearly told the swimmer, like, hey, bring the oar up. Comes up. Turns out it's not like one of those like cheap, like collapsible ones. It's like a carbon fiber oar. It's non-collapsible. It's like eight feet long which you know the 65 helicopter there's yeah. not a whole lot of room back there so as i'm bringing the swimmer up he's like handing the oar to me so i'm like bringing him up with one hand trying to like throw the oar back there somewhere i'm like the guy's under the blanket so he doesn't even know that we're trying to get his oar in so he's not helping finally get it like behind me <laughs> get the swimmer in uh where do we i can't remember where we took that guy i, I believe we just took that guy same kind of thing we just took him to an airport because we didn't bring him back to san fram so we took him to some airport around there, um, uh, Napa maybe, Sonoma. Anyways, I remember when we yeah. pulled up, I'm like, oh hey, I recognize that. I recognize that little that little airport in there. We go in there and get snacks. Um, so yeah, awesome. we find out that that, so that was that was the end of the case. We find out the next day or later that night, the swimmer was like, yeah, the guy told me like, hey man, this is like an $800 oar, and I'm like, what? I didn't know you could get an $800 oar. Maybe, maybe the guy was just like making up, but he really wanted to keep this ore or something. But yeah, it was, I mean, I don't know what a good ore and a bad ore looks like. Apparently it wasn't a great ore because it didn't keep him afloat. Um, but the guy got to keep his ore. Apparently didn't care about the paddleboard either. I don't know if maybe he had insurance on the paddleboard or something. I don't know how that works. Um, but got to keep yeah, his ore. No yeah. But that was, uh, that was, that was pretty much the conclusion. Of that one. So that, like I said, that one was pretty, that was pretty standard once we found him send the swimmer down, bring the guy up besides the swimmer acting like a ninja turtle down there. <laughs> that was the only, that was the only non-standard. Bro, that's awesome. Hey, you know what? We're trying yeah. to like, we're trying to kill time. We're waiting on you guys up top. I'm just saying. Exactly. Maybe hey, thinking about his next move when he gets out of the Coast Guard. He's like, maybe I'll right. do this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Hey, remind me real quick. Yeah. Uh, the Coast Guard, you guys are still using the rigid basket. Is that right? You're not using the collapsible? Uh, as far as like like the arms that connect up to the hoist hook are collapsible. No, nah, no. Nah. So there, it collapses where there's there's four brackets that, that actually pick it up. It's okay. made a webbing, 
we're having and metal oh no no yeah okay. no we it's a rigid, a rigid basket yeah okay yeah and, just and, the the arms like i said yeah the arms that come yeah. up and connect to the hoist hook those are those are like movable yeah that would be the bales helping you out there oh, come on cut come that on, man, man. <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> ah, yeah. oh, there we go. I got no, I, I, the reason I'm asking yeah. is um, so the the H65 is is a small cabin, and that collapsible basket's yeah. amazing. Now, at the same time, I know I know how the like, the Coast Guard works, and y- you know if you just implement one thing, it's got to go to everywhere, and it's it's kind of a yeah, it's a bigger exactly. deal than just like oh, let's just get a new basket. It doesn't work like that. So exactly, but, yeah, um, definitely, yeah. So and for everybody else that doesn't know. The basket is stored in the tail compartment. And there's a little net. You guys saw the net there, right? You yep, pull the clips yeah, down, slide that net. sucker in the tail, and then put the cargo net yeah. back up. That, it's yeah. very tight fit. There's so much stuff back there. It's definitely like a puzzle sliding yeah. everything back in there. Yeah. Yeah. Man, awesome. Dude, good job, dude. Yeah. I like that. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I love it. Man, I love these stories. Well, yeah. these are the three cases that I, I wanted to go over with you and I'm going to, I'm going to turn it over to you a little bit further. You, you gave us some, some great stories. So is there anything you would have done a little different with these things or lessons learned for later? Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, I would say definitely lessons learned is like, I think we, and it's, these are definitely like discussions that like us flight mechs like have amongst each other. Sometimes it's like, you know, sometimes just going out day after day, hoisting with the, with a coast guard, small boat, just, you know, the redundancy, it, it I mean, it seems redundant. It's like, you know, what are we doing? And then you get out on a case and I think I could speak for everybody. Like you just like your, um, not your intuition, but your, um, it's going through the motions here. I know exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're, it just, it just, it just kicks in and, and you're like, oh yeah, this is why I've done these 40 boat hoists over the last two months. Like it just kicks in and you're like, okay, it, it's funny. Cause sometimes, you know, when we get like a, when we get like a standardization check every year, um, you know, it's nerve wracking. Like, I hope I do everything right. And you're like going through the checklist, like step-by-step. And then I feel like when you get out there on an actual case, it's like your brain just triggers and it's like, okay, like this one's for real. And it like unlocks the party, like the memory part of your brain. And it's like, oh, now I remember everything perfectly, but not when somebody's staring over my shoulder (laughs) testing me, you know, and they ask you a question you're like, uh, seven you know, but yeah, so it's cool. I mean, you just, you kind of fall back on your training. Um, there's definitely, I mean, I, I definitely have to think longer about things that maybe I messed up. I, I know, like I said, the, the funny on the first one flew right over the guy on the flare. Didn't even see him. Um, I will say, I mean, I'll call myself out. I, I kind of left it out the third one. So the third one where I had to close the door, um, to keep the guy from sliding out, go back in the back. A little thing about our, our helicopter, we have we have the door that slides open. That's the cabin door we get in and out. And then we have the hoist hatch. When that pops up open, it allows us to boom the hoist in closer right. to the helicopter so we can bring the basket even closer to us. Well, when the hoist hatch is open, the door will not close. So in my rush of like, shoot, I forgot to get the blanket. What do I need to do here? Okay. Like telling the pilots, like, I'm going to close the door and, and then I'm going to go back and get the, get the blanket out of the back. I just go to slam the door closed and it's just bonk. And I'm like, what the heck? And then I'm like, oh, the freaking hoist hatch is still open. So I'm like rookie <laughs> move. And that, you know, you got the pilot in the left seat kind of looking over like, what's this guy doing back here? What are you so doing? Get that <laughs> yeah. Slide that over. 
so yeah, I mean, I, I would say that's, that's a little funny, like lesson, like I'll probably never do that again, you know, yeah. now that that no, happened you won't. to me. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would say lessons learned is, um, I mean, it just makes you after having, you know, a real life case it it makes you kind of focus more on your training hoist. You're like, Hey, these are now, now that I've actually done one for real, I know this training is useful. You know, it makes you fall back on that training more and take it more seriously when you do those, those training evolutions. And you're like, Oh, this is actually things that we do. This isn't just because leading up to before my first case, you know, I probably had 40 to 60 pretend boat hoist. And it's like, man, I'm never going to use this stuff. It's like math in high school. I'm never going to use yeah, this yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have a real case and you're like, Oh, I use this stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, definitely the biggest, biggest lesson I've learned from the, just only the three cases that I've had, um, is just that our, our training is definitely very important. And it's a, um, it's a serious thing. You know, we, um, there's people out there that are having their worst days, you know, they're out trying to paddleboard across the bay. And, um, and luckily you got, you know, a, a helicopter of bozos up there that luckily have trained for this moment. Um, and I'm up there slamming doors together and stuff, but luckily that was after the guy was already in the yeah, helicopter. Yeah, you're fine. You know? Yeah. I, I already got him safe. Um, yeah, I, luckily I, you know, I haven't, um, I don't know that I've had any, you know, big screw up in a, you know, in a real evolution like that, definitely in training evolutions, you know, um, you know, going to, going to direct deploy the, sw or going to free fall the swimmer, but I hand them the hook and they're like, what are you doing? We're doing a free fall, you know, like funny stuff like that <laughs> happens all the time. Um, yeah, stuff like funny. that definitely happens all the time, but that's, that's, that's why we train, you know? Yeah. No, I dig try it, to man. Get that, I, try to work the kinks out. Yeah. I, I, I'm all about it. I, I, so yeah. I, I like the standardization that the Coast Guard has, specifically the Coast Guard. Yeah. I can't speak for every agency, but the standardization that, you, that the U.S. Coast Guard has across the board, it it doesn't matter, you know, where you get pulled from. You can get in a helicopter with a crew yeah. and go, and everybody's speaking the same language. And that in itself is amazing because when you speak the same language, it doesn't matter because the standards kick in to then your training kicks in, to then the non-standard vessel, water, waves, whatever, it becomes just fluid. It's beautiful. So Definitely. Yeah, and luckily, um, I wasn't a flight mech during Hurricane Harvey in Houston, um, but I, I was there. I was just doing maintenance. I was on the maintenance team there. Um, but just from hearing people, and then, you know, people in your time, not to date you, but in your time, another big hurricane, uh, I Katrina. I can't believe I just got dated, um, dude. What yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Hur hurricane Katrina. Uh, not that that was even right when you got in. I believe you had been in for a little while. Oh, I, yeah, Katrina, for right? a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but so, I was but not yeah, in I mean, Katrina, so I, I can't speak from experience. Oh, that. okay, gotcha. So. But yeah, you get to those situations, and like you said, having the standardization, um that's that's when it thrives because you get you get a pilot from houston a pilot from you know san francisco a flight mechanic from detroit and a rescue swimmer from hawaii and they're all in the same plane and it's like hey nice to meet you nice to meet you let's go save some people and everything's the same once you get in that helicopter everything inside the helicopter is the same the way you do things is the same so it's pretty cool i don't hope for another hurricane but if there is i hope that i'm able to go as a flight mech 
on something like that and just experience that because it the stories I've heard is just really incredible. You know, you got you're like, yeah, so I met the rescue swimmer for the first time ever. And then 15 minutes later, I'm hoisting him up with a baby in his arm, you know, like yeah, just crazy yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> so that, that's that's really cool to be able to put the training to the ultimate test in like a, you know, a hurricane situation like that. So hopefully there's no more big hurricanes. But if there is, hopefully, hopefully I'm able to go. Man, that's cool. I like that. All right, buddy. Yeah. I got one more question. And, and that is just, you know, out of everything, I, I'm going to open it up to you as far as what you would tell everybody, you know, with all your experience that you have to date, and I'm going to throw that out there to date because you're still a young guy. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm flipping that right now. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah there you are. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so I'll tell you what. No, I, on a serious note, like you've been doing this, like, you know, you were at Hitron. Uh, not a lot of search and rescue out there. Came to San Francisco. How many years in San Fran have you done? Uh, I've been here for four years now. I'm transferring this summer. Cool. So in your four years that you have, what would you what would you tell the guys that are coming up? Um, I would say you you know you get out of A school, you show up to a unit. Um, it can seem like, and this is just obviously my perspective, I came as a qualified BA already. I was a little bit older. I wasn't brand new out of A school trying to become a flight mech. But as you just see the younger people coming up, I guess I would say, don't feel like you're not important. You know, like there's, there's so many young people that aren't qualified yet. So you're, you're all coming, kind of coming up together, waiting your turn to get in the syllabus. Um, I would say just be patient, stay in the books. Um, your time will come. Um, it's it is a long process sometimes when you have you know say 15 people that are that are in you know you got three people in the flight mech syllabus and 15 people waiting behind them you know to to get their shot at it we only have so many instructors at a unit um so i would say um yeah be patient just do your day-to-day work stay in the books um and your time will come yeah i like that that's good stuff that's good advice you know i'm I'm gonna piggyback off that a little bit too and and my advice as I've been around the block once or twice, uh, I got you, Jordan, I got you, man. It's, you know, just saying, um, what I would tell the young guys to piggyback off that is go learn your EPs, go learn your conning techniques. You don't have to be in a helicopter to do all that stuff. You can be on the ground and talking to people and go verbatim so that when you get into that syllabus, it's like, you're just, you're, shooting it off like it's like it's nothing so that's where i would go with it and learn how to use the system be a be a good air crewman so i I will i will double piggyback you i love it let's keep it going of when i was in my when i was in my syllabus um or maybe getting ready to get into my syllabus there's a a guy named k baron um there's an instructor at the time and he was going through some stuff with me and he's like look you know you're, you're waiting your turn um you don't want like your first hoisting flight to be the first time you've gone through the motions. So he's like, it sounds dumb. He's like, I used to hoist from my bed and pretend that like I was in the helicopter. And I remember I was sitting at home one day and I'm like reading through our helicopter manual, the dash one, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, reading through the rescue procedures. And I'm like, okay, so I do this and then I get the basket ready. And I think, and I'm, and I remember I'm like sitting there and I'm like, screw it. So I like scoot back on my stool I scoot my stool out and I kind of like kneel down on my stool and I have like my flashcards in front of me and I'm like, and I'm just going through the motions. I'm pretending that I'm in the helicopter. And I thought, I'm like, man, 
I look so dumb right now, but it, it helped. It helped. Cause then, you know, you get to, then you go to work the next day and I'm like, then you can get in the real helicopter and I'm like, Oh, okay. I remember I was doing this. And I remember that it helps if I do this first. And then I think about doing this. It's funny. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's not going to work for everybody. I'm definitely uh, like a visual learner. I have no reading comprehension. I could read a paragraph <laughs> and my mind's in seven different spots. So I have to like rewrite it down or act it out with my hands. I, I, I can't remember things that I read. I have to like, like see it done. Um, so that was something that, that helped me out. Like you said, like practice hoisting, um, yeah. you know, when you're not in the helicopter, that was, that was definitely something that helped me too. Well, and, and, and the young guys have a guy like you on the hangar deck as a watch captain, you can sit in the helicopter, turn power on and just go through the motions in the helicopter. For sure. Like it's just on for the sure. ground. Again, for those that yeah. are getting ready to get into their BA, so sorry, their basic air crew syllabus or their flight mechanic syllabus, mm -hmm. You can learn all that stuff before you even step foot into a turning aircraft, guaranteed. Definitely, so. definitely. I think to go back to lessons learned, I, I almost wish that I could have done that a little bit more. I mean, because I think there was just so many times where I could have done that. Again, luckily, I was I was at Hitron, so I was basic air crew qualified, and we did do um, we did do hyphering at Hitron, so helicopter in-flight refueling which requires us to send the hook down and hoist up a fueling rig. So I had done some hoisting. I'd just never done a rescue hoist. So um, that was, that was still new for me, but yeah, like you said, I mean, you can, you can go into a, a an empty dark helicopter that's just sitting alone in the hangar, yeah. you know, in the corner of the hangar, uh, fire power up and, and go through the motions. Yeah. I mean, I did it. As a matter of fact, I can tell you right now between you and me, Jordan, my my mentor, Mr. Pat Barber, he is smiling right now. He's like, oh, man, they're doing it. Yeah. Because that's what he did. The shout he did out. The same thing. Yeah, he's just like, when he was learning, he was going through the motions, sitting at, like sitting down on the helicopter, not turning, just going through the steps, going through everything as he's learning it. And that's what he passed down to me. So that's what I do. So it's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, definitely. Jordan, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on, sharing the stories, yeah, dropping definitely. a little knowledge, definitely. you know, from the young guys. Definitely. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Um, I wish you the absolute best at the last bit of San Francisco and enjoy Hawaii. I look forward to uh, yes. seeing you again one day. Yeah. Maybe a definitely. couple more stories. I'm good with that. I'm just saying. For sure. I would be I would be remiss if I didn't shout out uh, one of my best friends that just got honored um, for an incredible case that he had. If if we can do another two minute segment here, have um, it. Floor is yours, my friends. One of my best friends, uh, Jacob Flores. I was uh, stationed in Baltimore with him. Me, him, and uh, one of my other best friends, Mark Paul. We were like the three amigos in Baltimore as nineteen, twenty, twenty one year olds. Well, I think Jacob was a little bit older, but. Uh, you know, young kids in the Coast Guard running around Baltimore, Maryland together. Um, he is an Emmy. He's not in aviation. He is an Emmy, uh, which I believe is a, mar a maritime law enforcement um, sure. agent, specialist, some, something like that. I, I'm sorry, Jacob, I, I might not have got that correct. Um, but I'll, I'll read this article. He um, was down in Texas um, on a small boat on the Rio Grande. Um, and, and I'll just read this. He he recently just got, I believe this happened. This was last June that it happened. Um, I'll read through this and then I'll just kind of say the award that he got. Um, so this is from, uh, no free shout outs, but from the Coffee or Die magazine. I guess they interviewed the oh, crew. Yeah. Nice. Um, 
So um, the other guys were Jarek Guerra and Corey Connolly, along with my buddy Jacob Flores. Uh, so it says they watched the baby face down in the brown current, run past the boat's propellers, swept away by the Rio Grande. It was just before dawn on June 2nd, somewhere near McAllen, Texas, and U.S. Coast Guard boatswain's mate second class, Jarek Guerra shouted to the crew of the 29-foot response boat, response boat, small to save the child, the, the small response boat, but they say re response boat small, to save the child. I'm going in, yelled Maritime Enforcement Spe Specialist second class, Jacob Flor Flores, stripping off 50 pounds of gear and splashing into the deep river. Yeah, so they're, little side story, they're doing um, like, migrant like drug kind of ops so they're they're loaded down in gear so he's not just going to jump he's going to sink to the bottom like yeah. a rock so he's stripping off um i don't think that's an exaggeration he probably had 50 60 pounds of gear on um wow. and splashing into the deep river u.s border patrol had dispatched dispatched the crew from coast guard maritime safety and security team houston doing a temporary duty in the toe of texas to a string of migrants crossing the river from mexico they were struggling to stay afloat, pretty much drowning, Garrett told Coffee or Die magazine. Um, it goes on to kind of talk about earlier that day. Um, and essentially, um, let's see here, Flores told Coffee or Die he was surprised by how deep the channel was. It was part of a largely uncharted 47-mile run of the Rio Grande toward Brownsville. But all he could think about was, I can't let these people die. Um, long story short, he jumped in and saved a baby's life. Um, it, there was, oh, I yeah. believe, I'm, I won't, I won't read too far into it. I, I might mess it up, but I believe it was like a mom and an older kid and then a baby vessel had overturned or something like that. Um, he jumped in and saved and saved a drowning baby, which is like, you know, something like sometimes we joke about in aviation, like, oh, th th maybe it's a boat full of burning babies that we're going to go save. You never know. Well, this was a baby, a drowning baby that he saved. Um, and he was recently, he was given an award, um, from his unit, I believe it was a letter of accommodation, um, under awarded in my opinion. That's a topic for another podcast, but he was uh, awarded from the USO, uh, the Coast Guardsman of the Year. Um, awesome. So out of, what do we say? There's, there's what, 40, 50 some thousand um, yep. Coast Guardsmen. He was awarded the Coast Guardsman of the Year. So he just got his tour of the White House, uh, got oh, to meet fantastic. like a few celebrities and stuff, got honored with that. Him and his wife got to spend a week up in DC. That was awesome. Super proud of him. Like I said, I would have been remiss if we talked about search and rescue cases and I didn't shout out my buddy that got a search and rescue case and he's not even in search and rescue. So, you know, what? The, I uh, love it. Let's, uh, you know what? You make this happen. Let's get him on. Let's hear the whole story definitely. directly from him. Yeah. Coffee. Yeah, magazine. Cool. I'm, I definitely right up on it. USO I, coast friends of the year. Yeah. yeah. Let's make it happen. Let's go. Yeah. Definitely. I'll have to get with him. He would definitely be down. He's a, he's a great guy. He would definitely be down to get on here. Dig for it. sure. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you don't mind, I had like two questions for you. I know you're, you're always interviewing other okay. people. Would you be willing to maybe answer a couple of things about yourself? Oh boy, um, here we go. Uh, hit, hit me. Maybe you can stop me if maybe you're like, that's a long story. Um, it probably is. What? <laughs> What comes to mind when I talk about the fishing vessel Galaxy? Uh, well, that was my biggest rescue. In, Episode in 100, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Okay, well, I, okay. Yeah. So for the people, yeah. they can go, go back to Go listen to Episode one 100. That's, that's my version. Gotcha. As a matter of fact, Episode okay, 101 
is the captain I saved off the vessel. And episode 111 is uh, my pilot, Kendall Garen. One of them. Okay. Okay. Well, then I didn't do enough research then. I need to go back and listen to those because I, <laughs> I, uh, I wanted to do a little bit of research. So I, I just Googled Jason Quinn Coast Guard Rescue Summer. It was like the first article that popped up. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get him. Let's see if he thinks he's just going <laughs> to let me talk for an hour. I like um, it. I like it. Bring it on. And then quick question. I always, it's a silly question. I always ask rescue swimmers this. I think it's cool to talk to a rescue swimmer. Um, people always say like, what was the hardest part of A school? I would, I, I like saying like when you were at A school, so being trained to become a rescue swimmer, uh, was there something that you weren't prepared for? Like whether it was um, like, oh, I didn't train enough for this or I didn't know what you're going to do. Was there anything that was like something you, you weren't prepared to do in school? Or, or didn't realize that you were going to have to do. Oh, that's just a for good maybe question. people, people, maybe people coming up that want to be rescue swimmers, and they're like, "Oh, I ran and I swam and I did pull-ups. I didn't know I'd have to be able to do this." So, a great question. You know what? And I'm happy to answer that. Um, so when I went to my A school, I was well prepared. Uh, the I was in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, as an airman. I did four months there. I actually tried to go to school early because I thought I was ready. My syllabus for the airman program at the time was signed off in like two months. And they told me, no, okay. they said, no, you can't go. You have to go there. But my shop, uh, the Air Station E-City shop, they had me well prepared for school. What I didn't do, which I, again, hindsight in 2020 and what I've learned over the years is what I should have done is better balance my nutrition. So had I, if I were to do okay. it today, what I would do is I would focus hard on the PT and everything that, that's there, but I would in turn focus a lot on my nutrition. And when I say that is because like, all right, so we would go, we'd, we knew we were going to get our ass handed to us in either the yeah. pool or whatever. So I might eat breakfast because we're going to do classroom stuff in the morning and then get our ass whooped in the afternoon. So I would skip lunch. Oh my God. Yeah. I look at that now. Like, what was I thinking? I could have eaten yeah. again, but then yeah. like two hours prior to working out instead of going a full, like a longer time. So I, I would have upped my yeah. calories and I would have paid attention more to the nutrition side. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not okay. talking like supplements, you know, it, it, not that I'm against yeah, them, yeah, but I, yeah. if I remember correctly for us, we weren't even allowed to take supplements like as part of the yeah. school. So, but I would have, yeah, um, yeah I would have hammered down on the nutrition stuff. It, it, I learned that's a little very interesting. That. That's yeah. yeah. That's why I like asking that. Cause that's the first time anybody's ever brought up that. Like we share, we share a gallery. We eat at the same spot, the, the yeah. AMTs and the ASTs, the rescue swimmers and, and the, the, the aviation maintenance technicians. And we see when we're in there for lunch and we just got out of like, a class talking about screwdrivers and we're just you know happy go lucky and then you guys just come dragging ass looking like zombies yeah. coming in there and you're just like i just need a meal i need i need something yeah. <laughs> you know and we're yeah. just like man suck to be that you guys are like still like wiping water out of your ears <laughs> like like suck to be them yeah. so that's interesting you know most people are like oh it was this task that we did in the pool or it was this part of the the physical fitness part but nutrition that's very interesting that's that was, that's cool to hear i'm sure that i'm sure that will help some people and that's probably something that yeah. people don't think about when they're going there so. no matter what you get your ass handed to you it, it doesn't <laughs> yeah you're you're going to feel like 
you know, you, you're either going to feel like you're going to drown or you feel like you're going to die. And you're like, yeah, but my, my mentor said to me, if you can do, if you can get up and walk back to the barracks, you can do another lap. And I did another lap. <laughs> it's rough. You know, it, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, you learn yeah. and, but again, to fall back, it's that the stuff that you don't know. I, I didn't know enough about nutrition at the time. Sleep, yeah. I might throw sleep in there as well to mm, have a regimented yeah. bedtime. Cause you knew yeah. you were going to be up getting your ass handed to you. So I can, yeah. you know, like at the time for me, I was 21 years old, 22 years old. Yeah. I think about that for the 21. Yeah. You're like sleep. Who needs sleep? sleep? Nutrition. Yeah. What? I'm going to go. Yeah. The bars are open for three more hours. <laughs> <laughs> so that was only on the weekend. I made it a point not to drink during the week because Good. it was just, it, it hurt that much more the next day. So I can't, I can't imagine drinking and then going and doing what you guys did the next day. Yeah. Like, no way. Yeah, yeah. None of us. No did. way. Not off the top yeah. of my head anyway. Like it's been a couple yeah. of years, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Well, thanks for having me on. I definitely appreciate it. I know it took us a little bit to set it up, but again, shout out to Jesse okay. Torres. He's got a, an Instagram, not to step on the real rescues toes. Um, but Jesse Torres has a page called uh, tales of the case. Um, yeah. It's just kind of user submitted videos just friends that Jesse's made uh, that are other flight mechs or rescue swimmers will send him videos and a little bit of a write-up and he, and he makes a post about it and shouts us all out. So it's cool that we uh, just kind of share within that community, just stuff that we've had that that may not, you know, hit ABC 11 o'clock news. You know, this is just stuff between us that, Hey, wasn't a huge thing, but this is something I did and a lesson I learned and something I do differently next time. So I he's got it. that up and running and he hooked us up. So yeah. Thanks, Jesse. And uh, I appreciate you, Mr. Quinn, for having me on. My pleasure. Hey, all you guys out there that, that go on there. I This is a, another place. I want to use this as an addition to all the other places. Let's get these cases. Let's get the stories heard out there. Because you're you're Definitely. right. They don't always hit CNN or Fox or yeah. local news. They, they, they yeah. just don't. They're like, oh, Coast Guard did another rescue. And they're like, well, that rescue yeah. is freaking badass is what it was. So yeah, definitely. Happy to have you on here, man. So definitely. I appreciate it. Well, Jordan, we'll keep in touch, man. Thank you so much for coming on and just sharing the stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Well, uh, awesome. I appreciate I'll, I'll it. I'll try to see you in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Right Sounds on. good. Sweet. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, right. we are out of here. Go. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at t-h-e-r-e-a-l-r-e-s-q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page, at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that SAR alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>